0: Today's episode of Pucket, We'll Do It Live is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donation can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army, or make your gift at SalvationArmyusa.org. Hey everybody, welcome to Puck it. We'll Do It Live, your pre-recorded weekly Twins podcast. I'm Dan Hayes, Twins beat writer for The Athletic, uh, your co-host, and actually this week I'm running solo, although producer Adam always in the booth with us, uh, but uh, my co-host Zach Pierce is away this week. He actually got caught up in a Zoom meeting um, <laughs> and will not be able to join us, but uh, a lot of exciting things. We have a great guest coming on here in a second. I'll i I'll uh, introduce, but first, uh, let's just talk about what we're going to do this week. Uh, today is Thursday, April 23rd, and at some point on Friday, you should receive a story, a notification, um, pretty cool project that we've been working on for a couple weeks about one of the bigger moments in the last 20 years for the Twins, and that's a... Uh, a recap of the 2002 American League Division Series where the Twins upset the Moneyball A's. Um, have had a lot of fun working on this project, probably for about two weeks now. Uh, talking to guys, uh, Ron Gardenhier, A.J. Pierzynski, Terry Ryan, Corey Koski, Michael Kadir, Tori Hunter, and LaTroy Hawkins. I got To talk to all of them about their recollections, there's some really cool little tidbits that guys have passed along that haven't been in print before that uh, should be fun to share um, so look for that sometime on Friday uh, <clears throat> but for now let's uh, let's jump in with our this week's guest and we're very pleased to uh, have back for the second time Corey Provis uh, the twins play-by-play man uh, for the Treasure Island Network and Corey uh, thanks for coming back and 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 how are you doing?
1: Hey, Dan, uh, great to visit with you. It's uh, great to be back on the, uh, on your podcast, but I'm doing okay. And uh, we're making the best of the situation as, as we can. Uh, you know, I'm married and I have two young kids. So um, with my travels and my job, we, we've never had this amount of time together continuously. So we're really making the most of it. And I'm lucky that I married a teacher because she really has the kids locked in on their schoolwork, whereas I'm locked in on gym. And PE and all the important stuff in life.
0: <laughs> I was gonna ask, uh, how is the homeschooling going? That actually is sounds like you had some amazing foresight there, uh, and clearly knew this pandemic was coming uh, to have married a teacher. But uh, like, how often? How long are the school days? What 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 is that routine like? Well, my wife is still working, and
1: um, so you know, my, my son, my son is in a Spanish immersion school, so he's in kindergarten. And, you know, he's doing all Spanish all the time. And my my Spanish is enough to, to, you know, order a beer and maybe get the check. You know, he is speaking, you know, fluent Spanish and he is incredibly uh, sound with his Spanish. So it's it's been tough. It's been tough to do his schoolwork with him because it's just in a language that I know a little but not that much. You know, my my daughter, she's four and I, and I love helping her with her with her work and she's doing a lot of letter tracing and you know uh some some math and that stuff i'm finding a little bit more easier on my end than my son's spanish
0: what um how how much teaching does your wife have to do with her students during the course of a day um and is she able to do much of the homeschooling herself
1: yeah you know she's busy i mean she's working with students i mean she is uh, doing calls with her students four days a week um, you know, sometimes she's off Tuesday, sometimes she's off Friday, but she is, she is uh, very busy from about nine 30 and on, she'll have some pockets here and there to, to help out. But, you know, my, we, we set kind of a, a schedule out and we put this on the dry erase board and, and the kids enjoy kind of going over to see what they have from 10 to 10 30. Um, and then I kind of go over with her at about 9.00 AM, exactly what I need to do to help. Uh, and just make sure that I'm in the right spot and have the right paperwork and have the right book and have the right, uh, writing utensil out so that that morning meeting we have, uh, during the work week is, is essential on my end to make sure that I follow the right schedule.
0: Did you, uh, did you call Rocco and ask him for some tips on how to run a morning meeting? Um, you know, gather the troops together and go over what you guys are, are planning on doing.
1: You no, know, Rocco's big on blowing off BP, but we can't blow off that morning meeting here. No, 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 no. They can't. That won't work around here, uh, because I'll, I'll, I'll really suffer. The kids will be fine, and then I'll just get in trouble with, uh, with the boss. I think the boss would, would just say, "What, what are you doing? Think about it. Why, why would that make sense?" So we cannot blow off the, the morning meeting. I know Rocco hates, especially morning meetings, because Rocco's not really a big early morning guy but uh, we have to abide by a different standard in this house.
0: You, uh, you touched on it earlier and um, I was thinking it early on knowing we were going to be, you know, right when, you know, Illinois, the, the home quarantine, basically, I think it was uh, March 22nd effectively, but they had in my neighborhood, they actually started on March 17th. And, and so I was thinking even then, you know, knowing we we're going to be at home a month. I couldn't remember the last time I'd been home during the season for more than maybe 10, 12 days in a row, and here we are somewhere around day 40 in Illinois, um, day 41, 42, something like that, and um, <clears throat> it's it's the one part that is has been kind of funny because there's, it's weird having a routine, a regular everyday routine. Um, obviously, when you're traveling, you're on the road. It, it's something that you, str- I, I, at least for me, I struggle with a lot. I don't know, uh, you've been doing this for a little bit, and um, but what what's that part been like for you to be at home every day for dinner to uh like you said you you've got stuff to kind of work around but uh it's so strange just being at home for a 40-day stretch in a row especially when baseball's supposed to be going on isn't it
1: and when the weather's gotten really nice and it's one thing to to you know not Think about baseball in the middle of the winter when it's nasty outside. But now that we've been in this in uh, in in the cities, we've been in a really nice stretch of weather. And then you look at it outside. Then you look at the true calendar, and it said you're supposed to have a day game. You're supposed to have a Sunday day game against the Tigers, and and you're not there. It just it just kind of hurts even more because it, this amazing weather, that this team that we're all really excited to watch and see contend. Uh, but they're not getting their chance. As as that's the right call. Don't get me wrong, but the the pain about not seeing this team compete uh, when that coincides with a good stretch of weather that to me has been has been troubling. You know, my routine has been altered like everybody else's. But I'm you know I'm a morning guy anyway, so I still get up and and do my thing in the morning before the kids get up. But I but I just love every I'm, I love that I'm there for bedtime. I just love the fact that you know my six year old you know he he rolled his bike yesterday, a two-wheeler for the first time. And I got to see that because I've missed so many things. I've missed so many of my kids first uh, because of my job in baseball. But I'm trying to make the most of this now because uh, I'm optimistic, Dan. I'm sure we'll get to this, that I think baseball's going to be played this season. Likelihood of me having to leave my family for an extended period of time is growing more and more likely every single day.
0: Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was going to say, um, the plans, you know, we're hearing them all. We're hearing little snippets of them. Obviously we don't know. And, and it's just talks right now. Um, they're trying to set foundations, but I have heard that those conversations have gone from talking about if a season is going to happen to when a season's going to happen. But you know, so many th- ideas are being thrown out and I've even heard that local is still a possibility without fans, but, uh, you know what? What have your thoughts been on some of the ideas that have been thrown out there? How difficult would that be to be gone for, say, a a four month block, um, and and go and and kind of go to Arizona or or Florida or Texas, whatever? Uh, how are you kind of trying to process all this? Oh, that'd be terrible, and I you know I don't
1: even know if broadcasters would 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 be on that list of, of exempt personnel to be there. I mean, i I've done games off monitors before i mean i i I did some big 10 network games off a monitors so i i i don't know if that's part of you know i've seen the stories dan if if they're allowing you know 50 people per team does that include you know broadcasters i mean or is that something that we could do remotely and 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 not it's not ideal but is that part of the plan i have no idea if that's something that even mlb and the teams are talking about in terms when we start playing are we going to have kind of a universal camera feed? Is it all going to be GoPro? And they'll have somebody, you know, with a joystick and other devices to kind of move that frame around and let announcers kind of broadcast off maybe four different monitors to kind of piece it together over a three- or four-month stretch, or at least maybe early on until things maybe calm down a little bit. But it would be awful. It may be awful, I mean, it'd be awful to, to have to leave, and I'm sure everybody feels this way. If you have a young family or any family, if you have to leave that family for 3 or 4 months and they can't come see you and you can't come and see them it's terrible and that, uh, that that's in the back of my mind I'm not going to lie but that's why I'm going to make the most of this chance while I can
0: yeah it, i it's weird because i'm in a different boat where i don't i can't see extra personnel like beat writers being included i just think they're going to say well that's another you know with the yankee beat that's like 10 to 12 people extra that you have to take care of and figure it out. You know, it might be easier on the Twins beat where maybe 3 4 writers go and and are there, but at the same time, I just think we're extraneous. I wouldn't be surprised at all if if from my end we did a lot of Zoom pre and post games with players uh where maybe communications director Dustin Morris is down there and and holding up his iPad and Jake Dorsey slaps on the head headset and takes questions from us, that kind of stuff, that wouldn't surprise me. It's going to be interesting to see how they do it, and especially because media coverage is still going to be very important to this. It always has been with baseball, and baseball's always been very open about it, and um, how we're going to piece this together will be interesting, but I I fully expect for myself it'll be a season on the couch, and uh, doing it from Chicago, and, and watching games, and... And if it's Arizona and those games are starting at nine o'clock, I may uh, go out and hang out with my family in California. So those games start at seven o'clock for me, and it's a little easier and earlier to uh, of a night. But I mean, you know, all of this I'm just taking with a grain of salt at all right now because look where we are right now. It's you know April twenty third, and who would have thought we were here and had been at home for almost six weeks when you know when when this was all shutting down in March and. Um, you know, so I don't think we know anything and everything can change in two weeks. But I do, I do believe there will be some kind of season. Um, it's going to be a lot of challenges. You know, I mean, there was a possibility that it's part, uh, part Arizona, part Florida, part Texas. Um, just so many weird uh, possibilities thrown out there and, and how they're going to do it's going to be interesting. But um, what I wanted to know what you thought was, um, you know, there's a lot of talk that the Dodgers are the team that would probably be the most hurt from losing this season. You know, you had the the Mookie Betts trade right there. Obviously, they're really going for it. But, um, you know, I, I look at the Twins roster and there's a Rich Hill and there's a Nelson Cruz on there. And, and how much of uh, how much do you think it would impact them not to have a season played just with the way they have kind of ramped it up?
1: No, I think it's very significant and not just those names, but, but de Rizzi and Trevor May and Marvin Gonzalez. And um, you know, you're losing a year of Josh Donaldson when you're thinking maybe on the backside that that deal may hurt a little bit, but you're losing a year of when you thought Donaldson making significant money was going to significantly impact your club. So I, I think it absolutely hurts the twins. So I think it's a, do I think it kind of ends that window of contention? No. I, you know, I think it hurts the Indians too because they then lose a year of service with Lindor and they have only have him for a more year. You know, Carlos Santana, he'd be a free agent then after this year as well. So I, I think there's, I think, you know, the White Sox maybe benefit from it, although lose, they're losing a year with Yasmani Grandal and watching some of their young players develop. But in terms of the Twins contracts right now, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's it's significant. Uh, it doesn't change you know the young core per se, but the the veterans that were kind of mixed in, both the guys we were relying on to watch and and perform from day one, others that we thought would come along. Whether that's from suspension, Pineda in May or Hill in June coming back from injury, we, we may not get that chance.
0: Yeah, it, it's uh, the the parts I thought were beneficial were Byron Buxton. You know he was getting close to getting him in rehab games. And he was potentially going to be there for the uh, March 26th season opener. But, you know, 11 days to kind of get ready and in game shape, that's a that's a quick turnaround. And who knows if he starts the season on the injured list. Uh, but between him and, and Rich Hill, there are some benefits because Rich Hill, you know, you're talking about if it's June 15th or July 1, Rich Hill was supposed to kind of be back around that time. Now, granted, right now he would be pitching – in minor league games, getting ready for the season, he won't have that benefit. But at the same time, his timeline was midsummer, so there are some benefits. But overall, it's definitely going to be tricky. I mean, Nelson Cruz, if if we're talking about July one, that's that's the day he turns 40, um, and you know who knows what he would be like as a 40 turning 41 year old if if there's no season this year. Um, it obviously the Twins prepared for this, and and. Most of their guys are under contract, but certainly there are quite a few free agents and it could make things difficult. But what is your, your feeling as far as what have you heard? Um, what, and I'm guessing you're sort of similar to me as far as what the possibilities are out there.
1: You know, uh, the, the three that, that I've read and I've just learned are what, you know, the three that you referenced, Dan. I mean, I think that the Arizona and then the Florida, and then we just learned about the Texas. Uh, plan, you know, is interesting. I, the one that that I don't love is the Florida plan. I don't like the the fifteen in Florida, fifteen in Arizona, just because the Florida teams are so spread out. So I don't know in this in this idea that you're trying to limit the amount of distance, and you want to, you know, you want to encourage distance, but limit the close proximity amongst players. Well, putting them on bus rides for three hours from Fort Myers to Dunedin or two and a half hours from Fort Myers to, uh, say, Jupiter, I, I don't know how that's beneficial. I don't know how that helps uh, solve that dilemma. So to me, uh, you know, between the initial two plans, I thought Arizona was bad, had had fewer, fewer faults than, say, Florida did, although the, the Arizona heat, that's something that I don't know how they – get around when are they going to play these games at, at nine in the morning or at nine at night I, I don't know that's something that is something significant that they have to look at and, and learn from but uh, the, to the Texas idea with the retractable facility in Houston and also the one in the new Ball Park in Arlington that that helps there's some you know really nice I've just seen them some really nice college and I'm sure some minor league stadiums down there in the near the Dallas Fort Worth and even Houston. I mean, Rice is not too far, of course, from Houston. So I think they have some nice, you know, power conference stadiums they can get by with. If not minor league stadiums, they can get by with. But still there's still some issues to work out. I mean, again, playing in Houston in, in the middle out, outdoors in the middle of summer not ideal. Uh, but it's something that we did in Arlington for a long, long time. But I think of the three plans that I've heard, the one that I that I don't like is the is the is the splitting of the cactus and seen spring training.
0: Yeah, that that would, the like you mentioned the bus rides. I mean, are they going to have visiting quarantined hotels where, like, say, Port St. Lucie, this hotel is basically shut down to uh, everybody except for visiting baseball teams because. You really, the Fort Myers to Port St. Lucie, two hours and 45-minute drive, nobody's going to get on a bus and do that three days a week or three days in a row. That that just seems like a lot of time that's wasted, almost six hours a day on the buses. I mean, I just don't see how that logistically happens. So then you're taking road trips. And I think that the Arizona idea, it's going to be hard to find 30 sites to house teams, but I'm sure they could pull it off. But it, that might be the most feasible. It's still just difficult to imagine – everyone being shut away from their families for four and a half months and everyone being on board with that. You know, I saw Clayton Kershaw made some comments about it and said that he wouldn't be on board. He has a young family. And, and I think that it's got to basically be, especially with the players and the owners, it's a hundred percent. I'm imagining everybody else is along for the ride. Um, but it's going to be very tricky to pull this off. I still, again, like I said, I think there's going to be a season, uh, but, How they're going to do it, it's going to be fun to watch these next couple weeks.
1: Well, that's why, you know, watching what states are doing, some of the governors are doing by opening up, you know, now and opening up this week and then opening up quickly in May. I think the next two or three weeks are going to be telling here, watching some of these states kind of operate, uh, not on a normal basis, but at least get back into some sense of normalcy. I think will be something that all, all the, the sports teams, but I think the whole world, and certainly here in the States, will be tracking to see how that's going. What have we learned from that? Was it too premature? Do we stay shut down? So I think the next two or three weeks, watching some of these governors allow you know, their, their, their citizens back to work and back into public spaces, I think will be interesting. I think we'll, we'll get maybe a, a pretty good idea, at least the start of an idea, how this possibly could play out for the next two or three weeks
0: yeah absolutely now uh, earlier you mentioned how some of the things and and let's preface it all because you did earlier too nothing is as important as what's going on i I mean I've I was uh I've been self-quarantining probably since March um, 13th or so you know I, I I was doing it even before the state wanted to it's important uh, but it obviously has led to some some tough times where you're not able to you know, a series where some of your really good friends are coming in and, and you don't get to see them, that kind of thing. Um, I had a Pearl Jam concert on April 9th that I was supposed to attend, and uh, man, I wanted to go to that so bad. That was a, that was a tough day, uh, but again, that's nothing compared to, uh, you see the staggering unemployment totals, you see the death, the loss of life. It's, uh, this that, that concert will be rescheduled, um, but the reason I bring that up is that you and I, uh, both potentially like Pearl Jam I've heard I've heard this we may have even talked about it on our on our podcast uh, last July when you came on and uh, since you've been on last time um, they have released a new album, uh, Gigaton uh, on March 27th and uh, what are your thoughts on it so far?
1: Yeah you know the, you know the first song, single that came out Dance of the Clairvoyance I thought it just it, it caught my ear and at first I didn't love it because it was so different. And I kind of wanted to hear something that was just going to, you know, bust open my ears and hear just some really loud rock music. And it wasn't that it was a different sound, but then the more I listened to it, the more I really liked it. And then I found out that, 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 that Stone Gossard and, and Jeff Amos, which instruments on that track. So there's Stone playing bass and Jeff's playing guitar. I'm like, that's fantastic. Um I just think it's a really cool song. It had some 80s, it had some talking heads to it. It had a whole different sound that I wasn't used to. But then Super Blood Wolf Moon follows. I think that's that's a Pearl Jam song and then you know I, when I got my my vinyl copy from my favorite record store in Seattle, Easy Street Records, I, then I listened to it and then I found some some beauties in there that uh, that are about midway through the album. There's a song called All Right that I think is a really nice song, and it's it's got to me, I know everybody has their own view on lyrics and what they mean to them, And but what I took from that song is that it's okay to be alone. It's okay to kind of, you know, listen to your own heartbeat. I think that's one of the, the lines in the song, and I just like that, that idea that you don't always have to surround yourself with a lot of people to be comfortable, and I, I love being around people, but You know, Eddie's message, it sounds like to me, that song was you can still accomplish a lot on your own, whether that's physically, but more mentally and how you approach things. So that that song just kind of got to me. And then seven o'clock follows that. So those two songs kind of go back to back, I think is a nice pairing. But uh, I'm a big fan of the album. Um, There's some different sounds to it. But uh, I I just it's my favorite band, as I've told you many times. And I'm really happy with the uh, with the latest album.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's probably, and I've, I'm stealing this from a friend, but I think this is their best album since Yield. And I loved a lot of the songs over the course of the last, you know, what Yield was like 1998, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I've loved a lot of songs. There's a lot of songs in, in concert that sound amazing, but um, I've never really been as much into a new album of theirs since about then. Like, I, I, you know, Dance of Clairvoyance, broke me in and i was into that real quick right around the time of twins fest i was i loved it um and it's funny that since then since i got the album um and and i do not have the vinyl which i'm highly jealous of you on that but uh quick escape has jumped up as a song that i uh i really got into um i don't know that was you were talking about loud sound that doesn't sound like a lot of normal pearl jam to me but i just liked how loud they came out and uh played that i like uh river cross which Mm -hmm. any better played their night on that um global citizen event and he sounded pretty amazing playing the uh the church organ um but that and seven o'clock have some pretty good messages about uh and it's funny that they they fill for they weren't singing about the pandemic they didn't have any idea it was coming but but they uh some good lyrics about getting through tough times and uh it, it definitely is fitting for right now, but um, it is, it's something that, like, it's really weird because I know there's a lot of us. There's a pretty good Pearl Jam community. It's the Bruce Springsteen community. There's a little bit of a Jason Isbell community, but Pearl Jam and Bruce Springsteen, I think, are the, are the two that stand out amongst the, uh, the baseball field. You're in one camp or the other, and uh, it, it definitely was a good album. I, when's the last time you actually were able to see them in concert? boy i they played two
1: shows at wrigley in like was that 2016 or 2017 whatever that was i saw the second night um i saw the second show so it was that it was at 16 uh yeah so i saw i saw them i saw them then um which was uh which was great seeing them at wrigley which was really cool and um, I thought they were gonna be. I thought they were gonna play the whole ten album because uh, they they began with uh, with garden and then ocean oceans and garden. I just thought that the way that it began was I thought they're gonna play ten, uh, which would have been cool. But I, you know, I, so I guess sixteen was the last time I I saw them. But I am constantly so the president of the twins for your listeners that don't know his name is Dave St. Peter. So I'm constantly in his ear about getting Pearl Jam to play Target Field I mean as much as I you know I'm not the biggest country music fan uh I know there's a big fan base out there and they drink a lot of beer at all the shows and I told them I said trust me if you have Pearl Jam come play Target Field people will still drink beer your beer sales will be fine if Pearl Jam plays Target Field so we're we're getting some more rock acts though I mean they had this um the, the show planned this summer with Green Day and Blink-182 and Weezer and I think Guns N' Roses. I mean, so it was going to be, you know, some more rock acts, which I which I like, but all that, of course, is on hold right now with uh, with the pandemic. But I thought that at least we were getting more towards rock music at Target Field and not just always relying on the country acts uh, playing that part. Not that I've ever seen a show at Target Field because I'm always busy. The team, you know, oddly enough, they, they schedule these shows when the team is out of town. I mean, you figure that they can't figure out how to do both. Maybe you have a day game and then set up the stage quickly and go and we still see the show that night. But uh yeah, I don't think Larry DeVito was that much.
0: Yeah, that would be tough. And and actually back to that uh Monday night Pearl Jam at uh Wrigley show. Uh, we uh I two twins or two former twins, uh, I know were at it. There were a bunch of White Sox players, um, uh, but um I actually was down sorta of in an audio area. One of my friends worked audio on that tour for them and so i was sitting with a former twin reliever jesse crane uh right around second base um on the field for all that show and uh we were kind of in a, a gated off area where you could stand uh in the middle of the field but but the person i think you you mentioned dave St. peter the person that could probably do the best recruiting i think if you wanted to get pearl jam to play there um was actually on the side of the stage and he showed it to me the next day, uh, because he was so proud, but Justin Morneau, big, big friend of the program with, uh, with Eddie Vedder. And he showed me a video the next day that, uh, Eddie had gotten him, uh, backstage. And he's like basically on the side as close as you possibly could be and shot video of the whole thing. Um, you know, he was with the White Sox at the time. And, and so he and I, you know, he'd only been there for about a month and we'd, uh, Actually, that's when he had just recovered. He'd been back for just a couple of weeks, and uh, and we bonded over Pearl Jam immediately. But I think if you want to get them there, uh, not only obviously Dave St. Peter to greenlight it, but uh, Morneau might have to get involved and do some recruiting. And I, I think it should happen. It would be a great – I would probably uh, skip whatever road trip the Twins were on to see that show. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I'd probably have just this, this illness that would just – probably keep me from traveling with the team. I'd have this cough or something that would just say, you know what? I think it's better for the team if, if, uh, you know, Chris Atterbury somebody else goes to, goes to Kansas city this weekend, but I should be fine by, by Monday, By the next day or so, <laughs> but I, think it, I think it'd be nice if I just kind of hang back and just relax a little bit. Then I'll, then I'll be good for the next road trip.
0: Well, you could always do pull the daughter's recital thing too. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you get, you get some good. Excuses. Well, I get
1: games off. So in my, in my contract, I do get games off. But normally they have to, I have to, you know, I can't just say I'll take that. I mean, it's a decision that my wife and I make together and what's best for our family. But that may be one to be like, listen, dear, uh, <laughs> you know, I get six games off. Uh, you can have the first five, but but the, day number six, I'm sorry. I'm just going to have to have to make this pick. And if uh, my favorite band is uh, lucky
0: enough to play Target Field, then I,
1: then I certainly want to be there for that. All
0: right, I'm going to do a quick, A couple questions here, just uh, rapid-fire responses from you, uh, quarantine-related, so uh, fire away. But uh, you mentioned the gym, and go ahead, and uh, what is your uh, least favorite uh, exercise to do uh, as part of your routine, but you do it anyways?
1: Uh, Oh, you know what, I... My least favorite uh, one is burpees. I mean, burpees are just—they're—they're they're so good for you, and you get your heart rate up. But my gosh, doing, doing burpees and doing rounds and rounds of burpees—just uh, when you get to that third round after doing other things, and you have to do a minute of burpees—that—that's uh, one that I could do without. There's a lot of good with it. I get it, but man, I hate them when uh, when I see them come up my computer.
0: Um. All right. The next one is uh, a lot of people are on both sides of the scale here, and pun intended. Um, gained weight or lost weight during the quarantine?
1: I have stayed the same weight. I I, I have my uh, I have my former strength coach Perry Castellano. I have my my weigh in every Monday, and I have not moved. I'm still at the same number.
0: I have uh, this tells you about the uh, travel schedule and how much it sucks. I've actually lost uh, somewhere in the twelve to thirteen pounds. Good for age. you walking all we have is walking our gym at our place is closed um but i've been walking like five and a half six miles a day every day and uh yeah so
1: well it's the late night eating right that's the killer it is is when you're working baseball and then you finish your game and you finish your story and then you want to go out and drink and then if you have an appetizer that that's the the late night eating is, is what crushes you
0: exactly exactly um what is your favorite family activity that you have uh, had a chance to do over the course of this?
1: Well, I said it uh, earlier, but I I just got to see my son ride a two-wheeler for the first time, uh, which was awesome. Uh, That was, that was a thrill. My, I love watching my daughter. She does these uh, three times a week. She does these zoom classes, zoom calls with her teacher and her, her preschool class. And she just knows all the songs that they sing and all the little dance moves. So I just, I like sitting there for, for 10 minutes, watching her just kind of, Look at the computer, look at her classmates and her teacher and sing all these songs and know all the different moves. Uh, EA gets me every time.
0: All right. Question number four is, um, is there a favorite movie or something you've watched um, over the course of this with your family or by yourself um, during the quarantine?
1: We uh, we bought into the Tiger King phenomenon, and we we saw it. And look, I'm not going to lie. When I see Joe Exotic, is there a little bit of a Dan Gladden look to it? It uh, you know, <laughs> with the with the mullet and the look and the hat. I mean, it just there was a little bit of you know, just the the physical appearance was not the same. But it certainly <laughs> it took me a second or two to see some of that. But it got me thinking, though, just. You know, it was something that I never would never have thought about that in these communities that they're housing all these animals. That it got me thinking as I'm, you know, driving around town. I'm like, and now I'm wondering if, if behind this fence, if there's a lion, if there's two <laughs> monkeys all of a sudden in the backyard of of my neighbor's house. I have no idea. So that's got me thinking about that. But I thought that Tiger King show was was just unbelievable. I just couldn't believe all the twists and turns and just the characters and. And my goodness, and I absolutely believe that Carol uh, <laughs> fed her ex-husband to, to, to animals. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in that camp, that I think that she uh, was, was, was involved in that, that uh, her, her late husband did just disappear. I think he was a uh, dinner for one of those animals.
0: I, I'm, I'm going to guess 75% of the uh, viewership would agree with you, minimum. But uh, yeah. did, did you catch the add-on? Joel McHale did a, uh, a little like talk show. Uh, with they, it's actually been added onto the Netflix. Um.
1: No, we'll, no, we'll, we'll give that a look. Uh, my wife and I have been stumbled on this other show called, um, called soundtrack on Netflix. And uh, it's, it's a neat show. It's kind of got some interesting stories, but it's got some singing and some dancing and some good character plot lines that uh, I don't know. We just kind of stumbled on that. So we've been, we've been watching that lately.
0: All right. Well, uh, here is question number five, all the twins territory definitely wants to know. Have you been approached by any um internet related companies with a lucrative offer to uh to announce pornography <laughs>
1: all at I Joe have not, Buck uh, Sadly I'm not Joe Buck. Sadly it's if it's a big fat no. Uh, I have not uh, I don't have that kind of clout unfortunately. So uh no, sadly I haven't.
0: Yeah, a million bucks. What an offer. That's uh Yeah. That's a a pretty uh lucrative offer at least they got some attention with it so sure but well hey corey uh it has been a pleasure to have you on and uh again you are so dick bremer again uh was on so he actually was our first multi-time guest um but we have uh started a new program and so for our multi-time guests there is a set of steak knives marge at the front desk has it so grab those on your way out of the studio okay but, uh, we'll do we, we'll <laughs> we want to thank you for uh joining us here on pocket we'll do it live uh we will be back next week i should have my co-host zach pierce uh along with us but uh for now uh thanks to everybody for listening thanks again to cory provost for joining us
1: dan my pleasure buddy and stay safe and hope to see you soon
0: all right thanks a lot guys